0: Amen. Hey, once again we are in study World Religions Cults and the I called it is number 13 charismatic chaos. Jim wants the tagline. He forgot but he can read. History of the charismatic movement. All right, try not to be so enthusiastic about that. That's right, the untold history of the charismatic movement. Now, uh, we are seeing this, uh, first of all, so far in our study, the intro, the disclaimer. I'm not saying that everybody who's a charismatic background is involved in the occult or the occult or whatever. uh, But a lot of the behavior is getting in that direction. That's why we're dealing with this study. Then we saw that really this movement is nothing new. Right? We saw that, if you will, charismatic uh, beliefs and behavior and stuff started way back in the early church with Montanism, a false teacher, still a false teaching today. We saw that the gibberish uh, is nothing new. That's also been going on for a long time, especially in the cults and the occult uh, as well. That's not the legitimate gift. In fact, we're probably going to have a whole study just on that issue, i.e. the gift of languages, the, the biblical one. Then we begin, speaking of which, dealing with the issue of spiritual gifts. Okay, And that is one of the problems, one of the dangers of the charismatic movement. They are misapplying and misunderstanding the gifts. And frankly, making up new supposed gifts that are supposed to be a movement of the Spirit in the last days. And it's creating a lot of problems. Right? Now, we saw that the first one was the gift of prophecy. And that was the twofold uh, negative thing of the charismatic movement. <clears throat> they think that the gift of prophecy is foretelling something that's new. Is that what the gift is? No. We saw that that is declaring what has already been revealed from God, which is where? Right here. So in essence, a person who's been gifted by God supernaturally at the moment of salvation, because that's what we saw, the gifts, when are they given? At salvation. Who gives them? The Holy Spirit, so you can hop up and down, take a class, somebody, teach, it doesn't matter. You're going to get what he gives you, right? How do you know what they are? You got to explore. You got to try it out. Uh, sometimes they need to be equipped, right? And sometimes they're self-evident. And then again, what are they, as we saw? But the gift of prophecy, they want to say that, no, 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 this is somebody foretelling the future. Mistake number one. Number two, they confuse uh, the gift of prophecy with the office of a prophet. And that's two totally different things. Okay, uh, and, and then we saw that these are the issue, that, that with a prophet or an apostle, these are two things that do not continue on today. Why? Because we are just resisting this new movement of the Spirit of God in the last days? No, because by nature of their offices, they are no longer needed. As a prophet, do we need somebody to tell us a new revelation? No, why? Because we have everything we need for life and godliness right here in this book. We don't need a new, new Bible. Okay, we don't need a new New Testament, right? The same thing with an apostle, an apostolos, one who was sent forth on a commission. That's what the word means, right? The, the apostles were sent forth to verify the new covenant, the New Testament. Remember, you're going from the old covenant to the new, right? And so these were the guys that were validating this has really happened. We're moving away from the old to the new. Do we need to have that validated anymore? No. So guess what? We're not resisting the movement of the Spirit of God in the last day. They're not needed. And that was the big issue. That's one of the differences because the charismatic community, by and large, says that all the gifts and basically all the offices continue today. But what we're seeing biblically, okay, is what? No, they don't, right? And that's the difference between the positions, what's called cessationism, which is what you and I, that certain gifts have ceased, they're no longer needed, okay? And then also they would say, no, it's continuationism, that they're still continuing today. So that's the big one. That was the big first one, right? Then last time if you were here, we saw the gift of serving. Do we still need people to serve today? Yeah, so again, common sense, biblically, contextually, yes, that one's still in function today. How about teaching? You need people to be teaching the Word of God? Please say yes, because I are one. Okay, (laughs) yeah, okay, pastors, yeah. Teaching, encouraging, is that a gift that's valuable in the body of Christ today? Absolutely, okay. So again, we're seeing that some are in function, some are not, right? So far, all these gifts are still in function today. But again, this is not the gift of foretelling the future. This is not a prophet. It's not the office. It's somebody who's proclaiming what's already been declared, i.e., The Word of God, the Bible. Now, we're going to take a look at three more gifts, hopefully, but to do that, you need to open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, we're going to take a look at uh, the first of uh, three areas that gives us the list of the gifts. Romans chapter 12, all right? Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 8. Let's take a look at the next batch, all right? Romans, of course, was written to the Romans. You guys are on the ball. Romans chapter 4, or chapter 12, verse 4. Right? Let's say this. Uh, just as each of us ha, uh, has one body with many members... How many you guys can verify that? Aren't you guys glad that you're not just one big giant elbow? Yeah, let's just move on. Okay. Right? We got different members, right? It's the same thing, right? He says, uh, it, it Just is one, uh, each of us have one body with many members, <clears throat> and these members do not have all the same function, right? So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to the others, right? And so because of that, we have different gifts according to what? To that class we took and that guy that told us here's how you're supposed to do it. Oh no, no, no. It's, it's the grace given to each one of us. God's the one who gives us the gifts. Now, here it is. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him what? Use in proportion to his faith. If it's serving, let him what? Let him think about it and ponder and see if it works with his calendar. And as soon as he gets something open, then he's going to utilize that gift for no, let him serve. Right? Is what he says there. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him do it what? Generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it what? Cheerfully. So if we can get that far, we're going to uh, try out to nail the next three. Okay. But basically what you got in this, believe it or not, is a gift. And dare I say, it's a gift that's needed today, especially when you understand the fullness of what it's really talking about here. And that is the gift of giving. Do you think that the church has need of people to give today? Yeah. Now what you're going to see in this gift, okay, by definition of the gift, we're going to get into the Greek in a second. It's not just talking about treasure. Now that is one aspect of giving, but what really is going on with the meaning of this term here is also you give of your time Right, your talents—that's the four T's. We've seen this before, and of course, your tongue. You're basically giving your life. But this person is a giver. Uh, these people—it's the Greek word. I love this word. Meta did me. Let's say that. Right. Meta did me. Meta did me in. Uh, as soon as, okay. Meta, of course, uh, did me. Of course, means to give. And what's cool about this word is it's not just give. Right? It's not the gift of giving. Well, he gave. Right. Meta implies super. Right, so basically, this is something truly supernatural. This is a supernatural giver. This is a super giver. This isn't just somebody who's got an attitude of giving. It's just woo over the top kind of a giver. Right? Okay. And again, that's literally what it means. And these are the people who joyfully share what they have with others. Again, it could be financial. Right? Okay. Uh, it could be material. But listen, it also could be the giving of their personal time and attention, and that's very important. Right? Does it take time to help people out? Do you have to give of your attention to help people out? In fact, frankly, I've learned in 20 some years of church ministry now as a pastor, it's a lot easier to cut a check than cut your time. Right? And so, But we need time. You need to invest time. If a church is going to meet the needs, if the church is going to grow, if the church is going to grow spiritually, if the church is going to grow and reach the community for Christ and all that, you have to give what? Time. Yes, treasure, but time. Your life is what he's talking about here, okay? The giver is concerned for the needs of other people and seeks opportunities to share goods, money, time as those needs arrive. Again, it's not just give. It's not just did me. Okay, it's metadidmi, me, it's a super giver, it's intensified. This person gives, it's a super giving, and it gives also, notice what it says there. It says in the one translation, gener- generously, okay, but another translation says in liberality. Okay, so you don't just super give, but you give in a generous or liberal fashion, okay? It's actually the Greek word, this is kind of cool, um, haplotes, let's say that. Okay, and of uh, basically what's going on here uh, is it's with simplicity. Okay, simplicity meaning that it's just a simple, clear, clean motive. You don't have a, a, a double motive when you give. This person doesn't just give; they're not just a super giver. It's when you give, it's just it's a pure, clean motive. You're doing this purely out of joy. You're doing this because nobody's twisting your arm. You're doing this for the glory of God. This simply just—I just—I love to give. I have such great joy to give. It's—it's not—it's not—it's just—it's simple, honest giving. It genuine. That's a good word. Absolutely. Now, there's people that Jesus called out that gave, but they didn't give like this. And can anybody guess what their names were? Pharisees, right? Okay. Uh, in fact, I believe that the Greek word there that's used there, I'm running out of space already, uh, is di plus, okay? Di, meaning double, uh, plus, mind. They were double-minded, right? The Pharisees gave all right, but they gave not out of necessarily joyfully. They gave with a double mind. Not in simplicity, not for the glory of God. Why did they give? For the, for, to show off, to, to see how much, look at what I did, look what I gave. What, not this, this is the supernatural gift from God. When this person gives, they're a super giver, they do it simple-mindedly, they give generously, purely genuine, out of joy for the glory of God. Now, do you think that's something that we need today? Uh, yeah, okay, so surely that's what's going on. Because God sees the, the need, right? Remember what we saw, these gifts come from who? They come from God. God, does God know the needs of the church? Does God know what the, the church needs and how best to reach the community? Yeah. So do you think that he sovereignly knows uh, what gifts to give, custom tailored for the custom needs, right? So, and we know that there's needs. So do you think that God, even, dare I say, even here at sunrise, that he has given, and dare I say, several people, lots of people, this supernatural gift? But are we using it? And again, it's not just treasure, It's this attitude, I'm giving my life, and I'm doing it not because I have to, not because somebody guilted me into it, not because that sermon really got to me. No, it's I want to, joyfully. This is awesome. Like, this is what a privilege this is, purely out of joy for the love of God. And are we doing that? I don't know, right? Uh, Open your Bibles to John chapter 3 real quick. John chapter 3. Let's take a look here. And uh, giving is a theme here. Right. You, you've probably heard the old uh, phrase, you know, God hasn't called us to do anything that he hasn't already, you know, uh, done. He's not asking us uh, something to do that's foreign that, you know, Jesus says, you know, in all ways he was tempted as we are yet with what? Without sin. He knows what it's like down here. Right. He knows uh, he put up way more than you and I could ever shake a stick at. But John chapter three. Let's take a look at this. Giving <clears throat> It's giving important. Right. Did God give us the example? Well, yeah. How many times do we quote this verse? Uh, John three fourteen, right, and uh, through uh, 16, let's take a look there at what, what God says here. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have what? Eternal life. Okay, so how is that going to happen? Well, here's how it happened. Because God so loved the world that he what? What's the word there? What's the verb? He gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, because hello, uh, 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 but to save the world through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Right. So you and I bank our whole eternal existence. The reason why we're here. The reason why we're born again is because God. What. God gave, and God gave us a bunch of leftovers. Slap that off your mouth, who said that? He gave us the best. He gave us his one and only son. He didn't give us one of the 15 sons, and the one that always gets on his nerves, yeah, you can have that guy. He gave us his best. He gave us his one and only son, right? Okay, and that's what we see, and that's what I think that many of us have forgotten, that we don't give, we don't have a mindset to give, and please don't misunderstand me. It's not just this. It's this mindset of giving away your life. What's Paul saying in Romans chapter 12? What's your logical act of worship? Right? Give your life away. A holy sacrifice. This is your spiritual, logical act of worship. You love Jesus, what do you do? He gave you his life, what do you do? You give away yours. Giving, it's all about giving. The reason why we're saved is because of giving. Right? And he's called us to do the same thing too, right? Uh, Acts 20 verse 35 Paul, he quotes uh, something that Jesus said that's actually not recorded for us in the Gospels, right? It's kind of a cool thing. He says, in everything I did, Paul said, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself. He said, it is more blessed to what? Give than to receive. Now, what's the timing of this message? I didn't pick this timing. We're in the season of the year, the last month of the year, when what's everybody's mindset? Oh, I just love Christmas season because it's a time to give away, to give away more of this life. Now, are you kidding me? What's the mindset? The exact opposite of this. It's all about receiving. I've shared with you the stats before uh, that the, the high percentage of people going out buying gifts, they buy gifts for themselves, right? It's just, it's an excuse to get something. It's an excuse to receive, right? First of all, it has nothing to do with Christmas anyway, Right, If you're not going to put Jesus Christ in, if you're not going to celebrate the birth of Christ, and call it what it's turned into, consumer mass. Not Christmas is what it's turned into. But Jesus said it's more blessed. The operative word there is blessed. What's blessed? It's makarios in the Greek. What's that mean? Spiritually prosperous, with joy. That's what the Greek means. How many guys would like to be spiritually prosperous, with joy, every day in your walk with Jesus Christ? Wouldn't it be awesome? Every day you get up, man, you're just so full of God's joy. You're just spiritually prospering. You're growing in your walk with Jesus Christ. It's just like, woo, well, I got to pay somebody to slap the smile off this face. This is getting great. You know how it happens? You know how you get that blessed life? It's when you have an attitude, give away your life. It ain't about you. You give away your life. What did Jesus do when he was here on earth? He gave, he gave, he gave, he gave. He didn't only gave his life, but before he gave his life, ultimately on the cross so that you and I could be saved. He was always giving. He was even to the point of almost exhaustion. He he, he was constantly teaching. He was constantly healing. He was constantly casting out demons and he was constantly teaching. He was constant. That's all he did was give. And that's why Paul says it's more blessed to give than to receive. Now what's our mindset? It ain't that. I'm really convinced that This is one of those gifts that a lot of people in the church have. And again, don't misunderstand me. It's not just that. Yes, it is part of that. But it's this attitude, I'm here to give. Now, what's the attitude when people come to church services today? It ain't that. It's all about what you give to me. In fact, it's turned into, you guys may remember this video. I'm going to share it again. It's turned into the me church, right? Watch this one.
1: Imagine a church where every member is passionately, wholeheartedly, and recklessly calling the shots.
2: I have a busy work week, and by the time Sunday rolls around, I'm tired. So how about a church service that starts when I get there?
1: Can do. When you arrive, we begin. This guy, he
0: plays by his own rules. We want to find a church where if he starts screaming, we're not the bad guys.
1: Say no more. If your baby's screaming, you stay seated. The others around you can leave.
0: You know, financially, Sherry and I don't give a lot to the church, but we'd sure like to know who does.
1: All right, if you join now, you'll know what every person gives in detail.
0: When I'm in the church service, can my car get a buff and a wax?
1: Not just that, but an oil change and a tune-up.
0: Hey, how about tickets to the Super Bowl?
1: That's asking too much.
2: I'm serious. If I'm going to join, I want tickets to the big game.
1: All right, you join now and we'll get you there.
0: I like a pony.
1: Look in your backyard. Me, church, where it's all about you.
0: Now, why is that funny? Man, it is so true today, right? I really think that that's what's happened. I think there's Christians, not only here at Sunrise, I think there's Christians all of the United States who've been given this supernatural gift of giving. And again, time, treasure, talents, and tongue, all of those. But the church is suffering, you know why? Because the influx of our selfish self-centered, me, myself, and I, the unholy trinity mindset of our world has infested their brain. And if you will, it's short-circuiting that gift. Because we need to come as Christians, period. Now, we're all called to give. The context here is these meta-givers, super-givers. We're all called to give. But we need to come with the church with this mindset. You know, what's the phrase? Ask not what your church can do for you. Ask what you can do for the church. Why? Because we're all called to be givers. But these people, they got supernatural giving, but they don't. Because the world's convinced them and has shut this gift off, if you will, because they don't even think about it. Because their mindset is, yeah, I'm here for me. And you know how you know that? You, you, what, what's the cry? I want to hear what the preacher. I want the preacher to what? To preach what I want to hear. I want the worship leader to play the songs that I want to like. I want the church to have the, the kids programs that I want. I want them to say, I, I, want, I want that pew just for me. <laughs> and on and on it goes. Is that, what kind of a mindset is that? That's me, church. That Can you imagine if Jesus said that? Forget you guys. I'm not going to teach you. I'm sick and tired. You never even listen. How many times I teach and you go, what'd you say? Huh? And you got to explain it again. How many times have I walked and gone through this community and you guys still ain't getting it? I quit. Right? Now he could have done that because he's God. He's King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But he gave and he gave and he gave and he gave. Now let me give you some examples of how the church I think is missing out. When people get this selfish me church mindset, and it short circuits this gift. And it also shows what could happen if these people who ha- we're all called to give, don't misunderstand me. But what happens when these people don't utilize this gift? The church suffers. All kinds of things suffer. Now, let me give you two, two examples, right? Because uh, I believe that now on this aspect of treasure, I think that sometimes that God blesses people financially so that they can utilize it with this giftedness, Right? Uh, you know, a lot of people say, well, I'm going to give to God. You know, if I win the lotto, I'm going to give to God. A- well, first of all, you shouldn't be playing the lotto. That's gambling. And God doesn't need the lotto to bless you, number one, right? But number two, uh, I don't think, have you ever thought about this? Maybe the reason why you just don't ever seem to prosper, even financially, is because you're never responsible with what God's entrusted you with. How about take care of that first? Before all these dreams of it. When I get a million dollars, that's when I'll be faithful and I'll get... But I do believe, and you see this scripturally, you see wealthy ladies help support the ministry of Jesus. right? And so wealth in itself, money in itself is not bad. It's the love of money that is the root of all kinds of evil. Money is just money. But the problem is when you don't use it for its intended purposes. And I think God's blessed people with that. right? And the reason why the scripture says, and God will bless and and press on, shaken down, pressed over. Why? Keep reading. So I can buy that 14th swimming pool. No, that 997th pair of shoes. That's why God's blood. No, so you can give away, so you can become a channel of blessing. right? But let me give you an example of a positive use of that giftedness, meta-giving, uh, as the church and what can happen. And this is a true story. I've shared this before. Uh, shortly before Dallas Seminary was founded in 1924, it almost actually went belly up. It almost went bankrupt. All the creditors were ready to foreclose at 12 noon on a particular day. And that morning, the founders of the school, they met in the president's office to pray to God and ask God to provide. And in that prayer meeting was a guy named Harry Ironside. And when it was his turn to pray, he said in a refreshingly candid way, he says, Lord, we know that the cattle on a thousand hills are yours. And right? this is scripture, right? He said, please sell some and send us the money. True story, Right? So just about that time, a tall Texan, obviously this is in Dallas, a tall Texan in boots in the open college church strolled into the business office, and he said, howdy, to the secretary. He said, I just sold two carloads of cattle over in Fort Worth. I've been trying to make a business deal go through, but it just won't work, and I feel God wants me to give this money to the seminary. I don't know if you need it or not, but here's the check, and he handed it over. So the secretary took the check, and knowing that it's obviously a critical nature, a critical hour, she went to the door of the prayer meeting and timidly tapped, and Dr. Louis Ferry Schaefer, he's the founder and president of the school, answered the door, took the check from her hand, and when he looked at the amount, listen, it was for the exact sum of the debt. This is how Dallas Seminary started. Then he recognized the name on the check as the cattleman, okay, and turning to Dr. Ironside. He said, Harry, God sold the cattle. now that guy what's he doing he's not di he's not like a a a pharisee and i want you guys to now put a statue out in front with me and my tall boots and my 10 gallon hat i'm the guy that donated and saved your school no hey man god put on my heart here you go see you later that's metadidmi that's a supernatural gift does the church need that yeah, churches have needs all the time. What could be done if those who've been gifted with the gift of giving would give? And again, not just treasure, but everything, their whole life. Wow, what could be accomplished, right? That's a much-needed gift today. Now, let me give you another one because, again, can say, well, uh, obviously I don't have that gift because I don't have that kind of money like that giant cattleman. No, it's just being responsible with what God's entrusted you with. Don't miss the point. So let me give you another example, right? Uh, one day, a Christian was asked by a person what he'd done during the past week, and this was his reply. He said, well, on Monday, on Monday I preached the gospel in Brazil. Tuesday, I ministered among the Mexicans in southwest Texas. And Wednesday, I operated on patients in a hospital in Africa. A Thursday, I taught in a mission school in Japan. And then on Friday, I helped to establish a new church in California. And then on Saturday, I taught classes in our seminaries. And finally, on Sunday, I distributed Bibles in Korea. And the person goes, how in the world can you be in so many different places doing so many different things? And the Christian replied, quote, I wasn't. But you see, I hold the dollars that God enabled me to earn, and some of them have been channeled into the places I just mentioned. That's how you get a lot done. It's just you're responsible with what God's given you. But again, it's not just money. It's not just, well, I can't do that because I don't have a lot of money. Well, is that the excuse you use for time? Because you know what I've learned when it comes to time? You got time to serve God. We got all kinds of time to serve God. It's just we don't use that time wisely. Did you know the average teenager right now is spending nine hours a day on social media? Nine hours. That's just social media. Good thing us adults never are guilty of that. Let's close in prayer. He's going to Midland. That's just social media. What about television? What about these other things? Oh, I just don't want to. I ain't got time. We got time. What about all of our talents or everything? It isn't just, don't fall for the, well, I don't have a million dollars, so obviously that's not my gift. No, maybe you got the gift. You just need to use it with what God's entrusted you. But don't use that as an excuse either for the other ones, your time, your talents, or your tongue. Right? How much of your tongue do you dedicate for encouraging others in Christ or sharing the gospel leading folks to Christ right it's it's that mindset it's a supernatural gift you simply do it and when you do it it's not out of guilt it's it's super giving man and there's no duplicity i just i love to do this i love to give away my life why because that's what jesus did and he's given me this wonderful gift that the church desperately needs today. I just want to give away this life. I love doing it. It's genuine. I'm full of joy. You don't have to make me do this. What can I help? Where, where, do I, where can I invest my time, my treasure, my talents and tongues? This is awesome. Now again, I'll ask you the question. Is that a gift that the church needs today? And so guess what? That's why this one is still in function for today. This is a gift that is needed. Now, let's move on to the next one. On the list. Prophecy, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving. And the next one, of course, is leadership. Okay? Leadership. Now, this is kind of a cool word that's going on here. It's kind of like a shipping term, a sailing, sailing term. Uh, proistemi is the Greek word. It means to set over, to superintend, to preside over, a protector or a guardian. Okay? Is what's going on here. The gifted leader is basically, it's the gift of ruling. Some would say that this is a uh, uh, another name for the same gift that paul mentions i believe in first corinthians the, the about, about government governing so a lot of people say it's the same gift it's just different thing but it means the same thing a gift of leadership the gift of governing the gift of ruling it's the same thing that's what the word means okay but this is somebody who is needed where not it, not in the senate or the congress he's talking about what's the context the church so this is somebody who's been gifted with the gift of ruling in the church. That's right, so they can lord it over the people. No, that's what Jesus said. Don't you do that. That's what the Gentiles do. Don't lord it over them. right? Peter talks about that, and you do it willingly. It means to guide. It means to, listen, steer a ship. right? If you want a ship to go somewhere, you need somebody who's back there doing what? You don't need 18 people. right? Hey, how would it work out if you had, well, that's not fair that you have that gift. I think we all should lead. And you got 15 people over there arguing over the <coughs> what's going to happen to the ship? You're going to sink. You ain't going to go nowhere. Are you going in circles? Right? But God has given certain people in the church to help lead, to guide the church. That's not Is that needed today? Yeah, did churches ever flounder around and get nowhere? Yeah, so guess what? Does God see the need? Of course. So what's he do? He gives people the gift of leadership, right? To guide the one who steers the ship. Uh, the one who leads by example. Why is that important? Hey, because there's nothing worse, okay, than a hypocritical leader, and that basically, you know, do as I say, not as I do, okay. But that's what this word means. Now, it not only says that you're supposed to lead, you're supposed to guide, you're supposed to steer the ship, right? But what's the what's the operative there? It says you are to do it with what? The word, one of the words that's used there, is with diligence okay, you do it with uh, diligence, okay, it's the Greek, this is kind of a cool Greek word, okay, spude, right, let's say that, spude, right, spude, and it literally means with haste, you're chop, chop, man, I ain't got time to waste, I'm not just gifted with this ability to lead the church, to, to move the church, to steer the church, to go in the direction the church needs to go, but we've got to get going on this thing, right? What's one of the worst things? You got all kinds of these plans, what happens? It never gets done. Why? Because people procrastinate. Uh, we get around to it. How many times do people come up with great ideas? How many times do people come up with things that really need to be done? How many times do you even vote on things? Yep, that's exactly what we got to do, but it never gets done. And, and you may even have the gift of leadership, but you know why it never gets done? Because you don't do it with diligence. You don't do it with haste. I don't want to get around to it. Or maybe somebody else would do it. No, this person who's supernaturally gifted, they cannot only lead, they lead by example, and they do it with haste. Let's get the thing done now. This is serious. We've got to get cracking. We've got to get rolling. The idea here is the gift of leadership is the ability. This person has a supernatural ability to organize, to administrate, listen, to make something happen, to pull it all together. You got the big idea, you got the need, and the, this guy can, this person can just bring it all around, mobilize the group, get them moving like a ship. And make it to the target. Again, is that something that's needed today? Yeah. Now, here's what's wild. Did you guys know this? In 1 Corinthians, now, do you realize in Corinthians, it was not the model church, right? I remember when I uh, pastored in California, and, uh, and that's where I got saved too, <clears throat> we'd always say in Bible college, uh, first and second Californians, right, if, you, if you've ever been in California, right, it's kind of messed up. Okay, with all due respect, been there for 19 years. I get it, but we say that because uh, we it, it, the the Corinthian church was messed up. There was divisions in that church. It, there was all kinds of sin in that church. There, there were people just flying, free willing. First Corinthians 14, which is all about the gift of languages, the legitimate gifts. Paul is what he's correcting them on their abuse of the gifts. The whole thing that we're talking about here that's being repeated today with the charismatic movement. The church, the church was so bad that there was a guy, read it, folks, this happened, that a guy was sleeping with his dad's wife. That's his mom or stepmom or something of that nature. This was going on in the church. It was messed up. It's not a model of church, right? But listen, one thing that you do not see in 1 Corinthians is there's no mention of leaders. But I guarantee you there was people gifted with the gift of leading. But the problem was, there was no mention of leaders. And then when they got around, what they say? Well, I follow Apollo, so I follow Peter. No, I'm super spiritual. I only follow Jesus. There's all kinds of divisions. Nobody's leading. Everybody's doing their own thing. They're just freewheeling. And what happens when a church, when nobody gets up and nobody leads, you're going to end up like the Corinthian church. Things are all messed up. Have you ever gone into a church setting or into a church that everybody thinks they're the leader? Or that nobody wants to follow? Or I'm the boss. Oh, it's all messed up. War's on at that point. Or you create all these factions. Well, this group and over here and this person's leading. And, this, and there's no cohesiveness. There's no plan. There's no, everybody's just doing their own little thing, their own little clique. I know a lot of churches uh, that have been doing that. But this is what happened to the Corinthian church. It's just free will and do whatever they want. Right? In fact, one guy said this. The Corinthians, all they could see was the gifts. And here was their attitude. It wasn't, I love Jesus. He's given me supernatural gifts. And I want, I'm here to give away this life. I'm here to serve him by serving other people with the supernatural gifts he's given me. That wasn't their concern. They were very selfish, just like today. Because their mindset was all on the gifts, right? I want this gift. I want that gift. I want, I want this prominent gift. And remember what we saw in the Greek? The charismatic movement says, it says, uh, you are to seek the greater gifts. Actually, what's going on there in the Greek is you are seeking the greater gifts, pauls he's not saying that's what you're supposed to do. He's calling them on the carpet. That's your mindset. It isn't like, I love Jesus, and I want to discover what he, who gives the gifts? The Holy Spirit. I want to discover what he has given me and get busy using it. Oh, no. What are you guys doing? No, I, I want this gift. I want to be the leader. No, I want to be able to speak in this gibberish. I want to be the one who's. That was their problem. And that's what's going on today. Like selfish children at Christmas, like many, quote, charismatic people today who just want gifts and gifts and gifts and gifts, and their focus is on the gift and not the one who gave the gift. And he says this, A.B. Simpson wrote the great old hymn, Once it was the blessing, now it is the Lord. Once it was the feeling, now it is His word. Once His gifts I wanted, now the giver Alone. Once I sought healing, now Himself alone. And this is the mindset we're to have. God, what have you given me? What's the gift? And if it's leadership, then I need to do it diligently. I need to get cracking. This ain't about me. We got a job to do. Let's get busy and let's get busy using. That the gifts of leadership, these people are getting it with haste, with zeal. They're fast about it. They don't procrastinate. They get on with it. They get at with it. And listen, the church cannot function properly without these people leading. We need leaders. Again, people have so many ideas, but so much doesn't get done because they're not doing it with diligence. And it's easy for people to do this. And they may even have the gift of leadership. (laughs) I tell you what. If that was me, here's how I would do it. You know, you need to do it this way. And they're just sitting there the whole time. They may even have the gift of leadership. And they're the armchair quarterback, or the pew quarterback. When this is how, well, how about help out? If that's your gift, get up here. Help us. We need you. Oh, here's the tagline. I did that when I was younger. Now it's up for those young whippersnappers. Well, what's the scripture say? The older men need to instruct and teach the younger men. The older women need to instruct the younger women, right? You got to pass the baton, which means you're still involved. And then all you're doing is sitting around saying, Well, you're doing it wrong. Well, help them out. How, who's going to help train them? Don't you, anybody can sit there and point a finger and tell you how you're supposed to do it. But if you got the gift, you got to do it with haste, man. You got to get busy. Put it to work. Get going. The church needs you, okay? Make haste. The church needs administrators who can keep the church on course with fairness and wisdom and efficiency and humility. This is indispensable with the church. So, is that what's going on? No. You know what? I think that most people are using their leadership skills, it's not in the church. Out in the world, and the whole time God's watching this, right? Watch what this guy says. This is a stiff rebuke. Let's take a look.
2: They say, "How have we despised your name?" He said, "You are presenting defiled food upon my altar." But you say, "How have we defiled you?" And in, in, in that, you say, "The table of the Lord is despised." He's, they said, "We never said that." We never said the table of the Lord was despised. We would never do anything like that. We're good Christian people. We would never say the Lord's not number one. We would never say that this or that is more important than God. We would never say that. He says, you say it, not with your mouth, but with your life. He says, don't offer me this. And then He says, go offer it to your governor. Basically, in modern day phraseology, it would be this. Go offer your employer what you offer God, see how long you last. Offer even acquaintances what you offer God, and see how long they remain your friends. Offer God what offer your family what you offer God and see how long you have a family. You see missions we can get excited about missions, but do you witness to the guy sitting down beside you? You get all excited about doing things in the world, but are you doing what you're supposed to be doing here? Because missions begins here. If I were to hand out a piece of paper right now and I were to say each one of you on the first part of that sheet, I want you to write down your calling and your ministry in this church. Then on the second part of the first page, I would want you to write down everything that you've accomplished this year through your local church serving and ministering. And then on the back to write out your plans for next year on how you're going to give your life away in the context of this local church to serve Christ and the nations. For most of you, I'd have to receive back a blank page. Because one thing the church growth guys have got right, it's this. 20% of the members of a church do 80% of the work and 80% of the people do nothing. They come, they attend. Imagine if I was your employer and you came to me and I said, okay, let me see your sheet of paper. And I look up there and it says, I said, you've, you've done nothing this year according to you. You have no calling. You said, that's right, but every time the door of this factory is open, I'll let you know I'm here. I look on the back set pot, you have no goals, you have no desire for the next year, you're not going to produce anything. No, I'm not employer, but I promise you this, every time the door of this factory is open, I'm going to be here. That's basically the mentality in church today. Every time those doors are open, I'm going to be here, at least on Sunday morning. You're not called to congregate in order to watch other people minister. You're called to congregate in order to be fed by the Word of God and worship and then spend the rest of your week ministering unto the people of God and for the glory of God. Yeah, but how can I do that with all the other activities I have? If anything gets in the way of serving the kingdom, even your right eye, pluck it out. Or your right hand, cut it off. I've got so many activities. Look at this. How are you raising your children to do this right here? You'll carry them all over for soccer and football and this and that lesson and gymnastics and everything else, but you're not teaching them to serve God. You're not preparing them for the day they will stand before Him. You are making them just like you. And that's terrifying. You want them to have educations and titles and this and that. You want them to play ball and do this and that. Do you not know that your children are going to stand before God and on that day, everything you've taught them is going to burn up in the fire. And they'll be left a beggar. And it will be because of you.
0: Wow. Gifts in general. Why do you think God gave them? To use. Do you see how our world is seduced just away? Why is the church typically so powerless and ineffective? And every year we say, man, it just seems like the world just seems getting worse and worse. Did you know the problem is it with the darkness? You want to get rid of darkness? What do you do? I've said this before. Flip on the light. The reason why the darkness continues to get more and more and increase every single year is because the light you and I refuse to shine. Because really we're in love with the darkness, this world, and in Christ. But these people, the gift of leadership, man, they are needed in a big, mighty way. Because we need people who will lead in the church. They won't make excuses. Well, I got, I got to go to soccer. I got to take this over here. I, just, I, got, this, I got this TV to watch. I got social media to stay up on and find out who's made this nifty cheese sandwich. No, I got to get busy serving Jesus Christ. We got a job to do in the church, man. And we need to mobilize each other. We need to get busy and let's make a difference and shine in this dark world. One pastor, I love this, I'll close with this aspect of this on this gift. He says, early in the years of our church, he says, I, I would tell people, I says, listen, I'm one guy. I can't do everything. All right? You know, so, so the, you, you know, we need people to raise up, help. And he says, if something's going to be done, God's going to have to raise somebody else up to do it. All right? And he said, through years, that's what God did. He raised up people and people and people and people and people who say they'd always come up with a great idea. I think... We ought to have this ministry and he said I remember when the first person came to me and says I think we ought to have a tape ministry And I said back to him the pastor. He said I said back to him great. Why don't you do that? And he said well, you mean me And I said well, yeah, that's your idea the spirit of god put it in your heart make it happen If you believe that's what's in your heart and guess what he did something about it. He made it happen. God bless him right Anybody can come up with ideas but God has given people with the gift of leadership to get it done, right? Not just the pastor. He said, I remember one of our members came to us, and you'll like this one, Jim. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't plan this either. He says, uh, Pastor, you know we need a bus. And I, I said to the guy, the pastor speaking, I said, well, praise God. He says, God's laid that on your heart? And the guy said, yeah, he, he has. He says, well, great. I think you really ought to find us a bus and buy it. And the guy said, me? And he said, yeah, right. Well, he did. He, listen, he got the whole thing going. He said, I remember when, he says, he organized the people, got it done, got, got us a bus. Right? He says, I remember when we had no women's ministry. And some woman came to me, and, as, to the pastor, to me, the pastor, said, we need a woman's ministry. And then, listen, he says, and of course, lately, people don't come as often because they know what I'm going to say. <laughs> well, then do something about it. That's why God put it on your heart. See, God puts people, ideas with the heart. And either the person with the gift of leadership hears about it and helps to implement it, or it's the person who has the gift of leadership, sees the need, that's why God put that, and he's gifted them the ability to pull it off. Do you see how it works? Anybody can come with the idea, but we need leaders who will help mobilize and get the job done. Now, is that needed in the church today? So guess what? That's a gift that's still in function for today. Now, we got time for only one more. The next one, of course, is mercy. The gift Of mercy. Now, my wife, she's not here, but she would loudly proclaim if she could that this is one gift that I do not have as her husband. (laughs) And she would say that, I would say, uh, based on the fact that uh, the multiple times that she has broken her ankle or the kids uh, have broken their bones, uh, my incredible emotional response is always this You're fine. (laughs) And it's not that I don't care. Of course I care. It's just I grew up in a different world, different environment. And uh, we never went to the hospital growing up, man. I'm not joking. I mean, you literally would, your intestines would have to be coming out of your mouth. Your legs are dripping off, falling off. You're, you're, set, you're barely hanging by at least one tendon, but it's still hanging. Right? You know, I mean, we never went to the hospital. Now, this is the way I grew up. So I'm just used to, like, you know, whatever. You just, you're on the back porch with your dogs. So you, you probably need stitches, but what do you do? I nah, just lick it. You know, something about that saliva makes you feel better. I don't know. So, but anyway, so (laughs) I digress. Gift of mercy. All right. This is definitely needed today. It's, It's a cool Greek word, aleo. Let's say that. Aleo. And it means to help the afflicted, right? To supernaturally help the afflicted, right? This is linked closely, different, but linked closely with the gift of encouragement, right? Okay, and it's obviously talking about those who are compassionate towards people who are in distress. They're showing sympathy, Uh, they're sensitive about them, but they're also doing it in a cheerful manner, right? Because it didn't just say the gift of mercy, let him do it what? Cheerfully, right? Now, this is really cool, okay? Uh, It's the Greek word hilariotes, which is where we get the English word hilarious. So this person not only gives compassion, they're preoccupied with people that are down and out. They're, they're just in a miserable state. They're downtrodden. They've got it rough. They're in pain. They're deprived. They're going through hard times. These people don't just have sympathy towards them. They're not just concerned about them. They're just, whoo, yeah! ha, ha, ha! Another hilarious opportunity to show mercy. That's what's going on here. Right? Have you ever had somebody that you're in need? Maybe that was you. You're in a downtrodden state, just having a hard time. Maybe you're going through a painful experience. Maybe it's a, uh, uh, you're having physical problems and you're going to somebody and you're just, oh, please let them have the gift of mercy. <laughs> but they don't? No, that's not good. Right? This person really makes them feel welcome. They, they comfort them, they encourage them. They're, they're there for them. They're not just oh, I gotta put up with you. That's not what these people need. That's not what you need when you're downtrodden, right? The, the people like this. They're they're involved in things like jail ministry or or people in the hospital, whether it's be you know their own congregation, things like that. They're reaching out to the poor, the the distressed, the hurting, uh, the people in the streets, and the rescue mission. They have compassion and passion for their hearts. They're just hilarious about. It. I just can't wait to help somebody else out. What a gift that is. In our world today. Do people ever come to the church? Or do people even in the church ever go through hard times? Wow, what a gift that is, right? When people in the church, what a concept. When they're having hard times, if somebody comes along and helps them out with joy. What a gift that is. Who wouldn't want to be a part of that family? Right? Proverbs 14, 21 says, He that has mercy on the poor is happy. Happy. And again, this isn't just a person who's who's reaching out to the poor, the people who are hurting, the people who are down and out, people are having challenges, the people who are in pain, maybe they're having marital problems, relational problems, these people reach, they're doing it with a hilarious, joyful, cheerful attitude. Yeah. What a gift. But people, when they come to churches today, do churches seem to excel in this gift of mercy? Being concerned about them and their painful experience they're going through coming alongside would no, most churches have bought into the lie of the church growth movement and it's a bunch of baloney that's going on out there and the people who we could minister to with the gift of mercy they're being left in the dark one guy calls them out on the carpet here's what's going on the church watch this
3: my name is christian i'm 31 years old a loving husband the father of two wonderful children and a few weeks ago my doctor told me that I have a brain tumor. Today I'd like to speak to you pastors and churches out there. Imagine that this Sunday I came to your worship service. What would I see? What would I hear? Would I hear that God loves me and has a wonderful plan for my life.
2: God has a purpose for your life.
0: We know you're the true and the living God. The God that has a plan and a purpose.
2: He wants the rest of your life to be the best of your life.
3: You know what? God still has a great plan for your life. He's still got a victory, a victories, plural, in your future. Not just one. we got more than one. Because I have to tell you on the surface, having a brain tumor is a new definition of the word wonderful I haven't heard of before. Or suppose I came to your church looking for healing, and I heard and saw something like this.
1: And there's this older lady worshipping right in front of the platform.
2: I inched closer, and I went like this. BAM! And just as my boot made contact with her nose... She fell into the power of God. Jumped
0: up in the air and I went, BAM! And I hit him to the ground, jumped onto him and got into a full mount.
2: Ground and pound. The woman was standing in the back of the room when the faith
0: of God hit the meeting and her tumor exploded out of her right leg, slid down her leg onto the floor.
3: Uh, No thanks, I'd rather not get beat up and have anything explode in my head. But suppose I found out instead that you were one of those churches in the news today that's giving a sermon series on sex. Do you know all the surveys
2: say that evangelicals have the best sex life of any other group? If you're single, I want to encourage you, for the next four weeks, I want to encourage you to buy this book, Sex God, by Rob Bell. It's in our bookstore.
0: Inside, there's a place to write your top two needs that your partner should address over the next 30 days. Make sure that you're specific in how your spouse can meet your needs.
3: Or imagine I just went in and saw something like this. think I'd take what you have to say seriously? Or more to the point, would you take what I have to say seriously? Or even on the surface, would you look like somebody who could give me answers? Well, the number
2: one question that people seem to ask me these days has nothing to do with theology or ministry. It's all about the hair. Man, how did you go from having bald black hair to this platinum pastor that you are today?
3: Or would you look like somebody who's more concerned with fashion and going clubbing on the weekend? Would you be able to tell me the truth about my life? What if I came looking for help and instead I heard this?
0: A daily. But for me,
3: John, listen, for me, it's a daily.
2: Daily. I wonder if this whole thing's a total crock. Daily. I think. Is there really a God? Is my whole life based on a hoax? Every day I make I make a decision to go one day one day more. I mean, really, I really I'm, I'm agnostic in that sense, in that I every day I, I don't know.
3: I'm so- Do you think I believe what you have to say, even when you aren't sure about it? Or imagine I just walk in and heard this much. I want to go to a church where the pastor comes visit me in the hospital. You don't no, you don't want that if I come to see you in the hospital, y'all know, it's bad.
2: The guy behind me has the bag you're leaving the room in. Well, my last church, the pastor will come, we'll go back to your last church.
3: What would I think about your compassion for me and the love of your God?
0: Yeah, what would you? There's many other scenarios. I had to edit that video, but that's what's going on in the church today. And you wonder why nothing's happening? I wonder why people think that we're plastic, that we're phony, that we're 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 inclusive, that we're just all about ourselves. Or people don't see any power flowing. They don't really see any love. We're just we're just like the rest of the world. Where's the love? Where's the compassion? Where's the people with the gift of mercy? Did you catch that one part? That was a so-called pastor going. I'm just I'm I'm agnostic. Every day I just literally got. It's a battle of. Is this a, a crock? Can you believe that? We need people who have the gift of mercy using the gift of mercy, and not just because you got to. Hilariously, right? What's the old saying? People don't care what you know until you know that you care. How many people in the church have the gift of mercy, but they're not using it? It's a very valuable gift. How many people, how many brothers and sisters around us are suffering? And those that have the gift of mercy, if you just do it hilariously, Right? You just you almost, I smell them coming. I smell somebody with troubles. Woohoo! let me at them. And you help them out. You have compassion. You spend time with them. You help them. You pray with them. You come alongside. That's what we need with cheer, cheerfulness, happiness, joy, laughter. In other words, if you're going to, listen, if you're going to go to miserable people, you better not be miserable about it. That isn't any good. Go with joy. Don't say, well, I've got to go down with those crummy, smelly outcasts again. I'm i just, just going to have to grit my teeth and do it. No, you do it with joy. One guy says, he's talking about, he's in L.A., he's a pastor. He said, our, our whole city is full of these people. He says, uh, there's a phenomenon in L.A. It's called a Box Town or Box City. People who literally live in boxes. Whole blocks lined up with people living in boxes. He says, and in fact, all you can do is just, you drive down there, you just see people's feet sticking out. That's it. He says, but what happens is every day they come and they clean up the boxes of the community. And so the next day, the people know where to go get the boxes. They go to appliances, you know, the big boxes with refrigerators, TV sets and things, and they go get a new fresh batch of boxes. That's their life, Box City. A whole mass of humanity living in boxes. They're out there in our society. It's hard sometimes to reach out to those people. And he says, listen, I'm just saying that it's everywhere. It's everywhere. The opportunity to show this and demonstrate this gift of mercy in the name of Jesus Christ unto his glory with hilarious laughter and joy and cheerfulness. They're out there. There's all kinds. You got to go to them and love them and listen to it in a hilarious way. And they have to know that you love doing it. What a witness that would be. Can you imagine being a part of a group of people that anytime, anytime and every time And 100% of the time that you as a Christian go through a hard time, and does that not happen? It goes in waves. It's not all the time. We have high times, but we do have low times. But can you imagine being a part of a body where every single time you're going through a hard time, God has people supernaturally gifted in that body who could smell you coming with your hard time and they genuinely, with hilarious laughter and joy, they come up to you, and they really mean it. Oh, I'm here for you. How can I help? And not just pray and go along your merry way, as James says. What kind of faith is that? You do something about it. Can you imagine? Who wouldn't want to be a part of that family? Right? So is that a need in the church today? Yeah, so guess what? That's why the gift of... Mercy is still in function for today. The challenge is to use it, to use all the gifts. And we still got a ways to go on the gifts, but, but can you imagine being a part of a church where the body was fully functioning? With, and each member was functioning the way each member, they're all different, different gifts, different gifts. And every single one of them was in play. Can you imagine being a part of a church where there are people right and left proclaiming and declaring the word of God. Well, that'd be awesome. Can you imagine that people are serving right and left? In fact, you got so many people serving, they're like, "Well, man, we got so many servants, we don't know what to do. We'll put you on you're you're on you're on level 3. Level 3 backup." Can you imagine having so many people wanting to serve? Can you imagine people right and left teaching the Word of God. I mean, uh, men and, 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 and the just the whole church, it's just the Word of God's. Can you imagine people just encouraging one another? They're always being positive. We live in such a, a negative world and these people just, woo, they're just encouraging you. You, you. you always leave that place feeling better than what you came, no matter what. Could you imagine people say, I gotta give away this life. They give away their treasure. They invest their time into you and their talents and tongues they they just keep they, they just can't help but give and they do it so and so wonderfully and leadership man anytime somebody's got an idea and everybody goes that's fantastic there's several people who raise up let me mobilize the group let's get this thing done what's the next job we got to get done can you can you imagine people with the gift of mercy and every single time anybody in that church has a problem there's swarms of people coming around them and going, "Whoa, man i'm so happy to help you Can you imagine? I would never want to leave. The world can't give me that. And maybe that's why the world doesn't want what we have. Because we're not doing what God's called us to do. We need to use the gifts. Now, I said all that as I close. Let's, let's put it back in this context. The charismatic movement, on top of all that we just said, Here's the legitimate gifts. we still got more to go. Here's the legitimate gifts. You know what their focus is? Not an ounce of that. As positive as that is, we just need to do this. I'm going to share with you, a person made a parody of Benny Hinn, and apparently this is what the church needs. This is what we need to focus on. And of course, they did a parody of, like, it's a wrestling theme, Okay. But you get an idea, right? This is their focus. Don't come and, and and exercise the gift of prophecy or serving or teaching or encouraging or giving or leadership and mercy. No, 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 no. no. Here's what we need to do. Let's take a look. Yep, that's what we need to focus on. That's what's going to turn this world around. That's what's going to shine in this dark world. That's what the lost is waiting to see. Are you kidding me? Hey, that's Benny Hinn telling me he needs to repent. Okay. That's what's sad. Is not only do they get this wrong, they downplay the word of God, they downplay the legitimate gifts that our world does need to see and we need to experience as a body and they go to that stuff. Wow. How sad, how misguided can you be? Amen? Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get a Life Ministries, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today that you go to heaven and not hell? Now, before you answer that, let me uh, share with you a couple things that the Bible says. The Bible says that God is holy and that we are not. And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death. We don't deserve to go to heaven when we die. We deserve to go down. We deserve to go to hell. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this problem that we have, that we're separated from God not only now, but we're going to be separated from him for all eternity in a place called hell. We we, we don't even want to admit that. So, once again, out of love, God gives us what's called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were God's x-ray if you will, divine x-ray to to get us to admit the problem that we have inside that's separating us from him. Let's take a look at a few of those of God's divine x-ray. For instance, if you think that you're worthy on your own, you don't need a savior, uh, you're going to get to heaven all by yourself, then let's take a look at God's test there. Uh, The the Ten Commandments. The ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. Uh, How many of you have ever told a lie before? Raise your hand. Okay. Uh, if you didn't raise your hand, you just told one. But folks, we've all done that. That makes us a liar. The Ten Commandments, God's x-ray, showing us that we have sin that's separating us from Him. We're not holy and perfect like Him. The Fifth Commandment says this, you shall not steal. Don't ever once take anything without permission. How many of you have ever done that? Well, if we're not going to tell another lie, we, we should all admit that as well. Well, that makes us a thief now. The Bible says that God is so holy, uh, even His name is holy. And that's why the Ten Commandments says you shall not Use the Lord's name in vain. And if we're honest again, folks, hey, a lot of us, how many of us have used the blessed name of Jesus Christ, the only name the Bible says under heaven, that men might be saved? We've now turned it into a common cuss word, if you can believe that. The Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy. The Bible also says, hey, show, you want to show God you're so perfect, you have no sin? Then don't ever once commit adultery. And you might say, well, I've never done that, really? Jesus lays the standard before us. God looks at the heart. Man looks on the outside. Jesus said, if you ever looked with lust in your eye at another person, you've committed adultery in your heart. That's His holy standard. One more. The Bible says, okay, you think you're so good? Uh, Then don't ever once commit murder. You shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, at least I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible again says that the sin of hatred, wishing someone was uh, dead, is akin to the sin of murder. It's just, if you will, you pull the trigger in your heart so, so so how are you doing that's just five out of ten of god's divine x-ray by the way uh, showing us the problem how are you doing not if but when your time comes we're all going to stand before god you'll be forced to admit what he already knows hey god let me in let me in I, i'm a, i'm a liar i'm a i'm a thief i'm a a blasphemer an adulterer and a murderer and the bible is clear such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven you're not headed to heaven In that state you're headed to hell but here's the good news god said if we would just admit this number one then he could fix it and it gets fixed only one way and that's through jesus christ jesus said in the book of john chapter 14 verse 6 he says i am the way the life and the truth and nobody comes to the father but by me why because only jesus lived the perfect life in our place and jesus died on the cross he took the death penalty in our place so that we could be set free and since we weren't there and since it's a gift and we can't earn it, we have to receive that wonderful gift by faith. And the Bible says God will pardon us for our crimes, our sins against him. And you could actually see this analogy working uh, in the natural, in the normal world. Uh, we see this actually uh, in the courtroom. For instance, if a person is guilty and, and everybody knows they're guilty, they've committed a horrible crime and and, and the, the sentence is passed. The judge has knocked down the gavel and says, hey, uh, you are going to jail. You are going to the death penalty for that crime. And, and we know that people, that happens all the time, and they go to jail. But believe it or not, did you know there's a way for that person, even though they're guilty, to actually be set free from that crime? It's called a pardon. And the one in authority, the governor, has the part out of mercy, out of goodness, certainly nothing that that person did in jail. They can't undo the crime. It's too late. But out of mercy, the governor could go down there and grant that person in jail a full pardon for their crimes. And by receiving that pardon, the doors come open and they are set free and they're rescued from the death penalty. Folks, that's what God is doing every single day with us spiritually. He has allowed His Son, Jesus Christ, to take the death penalty in our place. He's pardoned us, but a pardon does you no good unless you reach out. And receive it. And it's actually been on historical record that there have been people on death row who a governor has gone down out of mercy and extended to them a full pardon, but they've rejected it. And by their own doing, they went to the death penalty. Folks, don't make that same mistake for all eternity. God loves you, He's willing to forgive you of anything and everything you've ever done, all of it, even the sins we don't even know about. He wants to pardon you. And forgive you but you must receive that by faith today the bible says if you believe in the lord jesus christ if you call upon his name ask him to forgive you of all your sins believe in your heart that god raised him from the grave you will be saved please do that now please do that today because tomorrow may be too late well this has been billy crown of get a life ministries again thank you for joining us if there's anything that you need if you have any questions Please don't hesitate to contact us. Our information and number and uh, things will uh, pop up here on the screen here shortly. And remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.